0: All right, we had some great conversations last week. I've heard um, several people uh, having uh, great experiences last week as they were having conversations around the word uh, with people they haven't had a conversation with before, um, or maybe somebody that they haven't had a conversation in a while. Um, I think it's easy for us to kind of come in here and kind of get in our routine and get in our groove and and kind of miss uh, the, the the larger family around us, and so trying to mix things up where we're sitting with different people and being around different people and uh, engaging in the Word in ways that we are not uh, necessarily used to, uh, ways that we're familiar with. And so um, thank you for, for being flexible and, and working along with that. Um, I, I was just struck standing over here, we have quite a few new faces in the room, and, um, and, and oftentimes for those of us who have been around for a while, uh, we, we, we may not notice those new faces all the time. So um, at the risk of embarrassing people, um, if you have been here a year or less, roughly, could you just stand up? Some of you, that this is your first day, so that would include you. If you've been here for a year or less, go ahead and stand up. Um, if you've been here for... For those of you who have been here 20 years or longer, see these faces. Okay, if you've been here for five years or less, go ahead and stand up. Five, five years or less. Okay. So lots of new faces. Okay. So thank, thank you guys. Thank you for being here. Go ahead and sit down. Um, keep an eye out for people who are new and, and people that, um, faces that, that you may not recognize because we are going to be looking for some reasonably friendly looking strangers. So look, at, look and see which of those... Um, don't don't announce it. We're not going to make a ranking of which ones look the friendliest. Uh, but look and see which ones um, look reasonably friendly. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, if you were here, if you weren't here last week, um, you're you're a little concerned and scared right now. If you were here last week, you might be concerned and scared as well. Um, all right. So we are in a series going through looking at the mission of God. What does that mean, and what is our role in it, and um, what does it look like for us to live for the purposes of God, right? So, so, if we are to be missionaries and not just church members, what does that life look like in this gathering? What does that life look like in our Workplaces in our neighborhoods, uh, kids. What does that look like in your schools and uh, with your friends and on your sports teams? Like, what does it look like to be an ambassador of Christ, one who is sent into the world around us? And so, as we talk about living for the purposes of God, one of the things that's important for us is to th- to, to be able to see the larger picture of the Bible and how we fit into the story of the Bible. How do we fit into what God is doing from the beginning until the end and into eternity? There's this grand story that's given to us through Scripture. And how do we fit into it? We've got to know how we fit into it to be able to really be motivated and find our place in mission. And so the story that we find ourselves in, the place that we see ourselves leads to new beginnings that God will bring for all of creation. And we're a part of those new beginnings. And these are promises that are given to us and promises that give us hope for a future and a hope for something different than the here and now. And it drives us and it motivates us for the mission that's given to us. But before we get too far into that, we are going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, it should be on the handout that was in your, sh- uh, in your um, chair there on that sheet. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to spend some time dwelling in this passage. Uh, if you have been here uh, over the last few weeks, you know that we are in the same passage every week uh, for six weeks. And we're using the same passage in our life groups, uh, we're using the same passage in our launch team, we're using the same passage here each morning as we read through and use this passage to to have God speak to us through these words. And as we hear it fresh every week and in a routine way, we will hear new things that we haven't heard before. God will speak to us in unique ways. And as we share with one another what it is that we're hearing, we will hear something from another person that will help speak to us as well, that God will speak to us through others, and he will speak to us through this word. And so we're going to, we're going to pray that God will speak to us through this passage, and then we are going to spend some time talking about what it is that we hear in this passage, okay? So I'm going to read through it once. Listen, what does God have to say to you this morning through this passage? God, would you bless this time now? God, would we be aware of your presence? God, would you you speak to us through this passage now? May the Spirit help create an imagination for something in this text that we haven't seen before. Hear the words of the Lord. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we are we were once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. So let's just spend about five to ten minutes. Go ahead and be standing. Stands. And I would like for you to find a reasonably friendly looking stranger. Someone that you don't know. Go to that person. Sit face to face. Move the chairs around. I intentionally did not spend a ton of time making sure they were all perfectly lined. So you can move the chairs around. So find a reasonably friendly stranger. Be a good brother and sister. Look for somebody who looks really panicked and confused right now. And help them figure out what's going on. Uh, For those of you that were here last week, you know the routine, so find somebody that you don't know well, introduce yourself, sit face-to-face, listen well to what the other person has to say, and share with that person what it is that caught your imagination in this passage, what caught your attention. It doesn't have to be profound, it doesn't have to be deep, just what did you hear in this? All right, ready? Go. Find somebody you don't know well. Introduce yourself, share what you heard. So each week, we are um, taking one specific part of this passage and kind of centering in on that part. Uh, The first week, uh, we talked about being ambassadors for Christ, right? What it means to be an ambassador. People are really enjoying their conversations, which is awesome. I hate to interrupt that, but I'm going to. Being Christ's ambassadors, the first week. The second week, we talked about being sent, that God is a sending God. And we see throughout the story of Scripture that He sends people for His work and His purposes and His mission. Um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to, to live in light of the new beginning. So there's the passage there the old has come, the new, the, the old has gone, the new has come. And so, what does it mean to look, to, to, to look, With hope to a new future and a new beginning. And for us to really understand what hope we have in a new future and a new beginning, we have to understand the overarching story of Scripture. What is God telling us through Scripture and through His story? When we look at the early Christians in Acts, we see this group of Jesus followers who are, are passionately and courageously and, and unstoppably committed to telling the world about Jesus. Why is that? We could point to the Great Commission as Jesus is, is, is leaving them and he, he gives this commandment to go and make disciples of every nation. Um, how many of us are, are really motivated by a command? Not so much, usually. So yes, Jesus did command to go and make disciples, and and they were definitely faithful to that commandment, but was that really the motivating driver for their their energy and their passion around the mission of God? What was it that compelled them to go into the world and make the world a mission field? It wasn't just a command from Jesus. It was that they knew the larger story that they were a part of. They had been anticipating this moment. They had seen through history leading to this moment and saw how they fit into this story. And so for us to be motivated for mission and motivated to to what God is doing in the world around us, we have to have a sense of the story that we're in. Each of us have a story, right? We have a, a certain place that we were born certain certain parents that raised us a certain home life that we had certain places that we went to school and places that we got jobs we we all have these different stories and and some of those stories have some very traumatic parts and some of them have great great times of victory and great times of success and great times of hurt but these stories shape us right like how how we were raised and and the life that we had as kids that shapes us. Our story shapes us. And and we're all part of this larger story that I think we often forget about. We focus in on our own little thing that's going on, and we forget that we're actually a part of something much bigger. So we're gonna talk about this story. And so, kiddos, if you were in the room and listening, Miss Lila in the back has her little thing of tickets, right? Okay, we know the value of tickets in our, our, our children's ministry, right? And so, I want you to listen, and maybe you need to jot down a, a note or two, because if you hear these things and take that uh, to Miss Lila after we dismiss, she's going to give you four tickets. Uh, to add to your um, stash of tickets, okay? So I want you to be able to tell Miss Lila, and I want all of us to be listening for, not just the kids, they just need tickets sometimes. Maybe we need to give tickets to more, more people. <laughs> um, <laughs> Riley wants tickets, right? All right, so, so listen to these four key, key moments of the story, right? There's gonna be four things that we talk about, and I want you to be able to tell Miss Lila those four things. There's four major sections, As we look at the story of God through Scripture, the first one is creation. We start with creation at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and 2. But then we go to the fall, in Genesis chapter 3 through 11. Things do not go as planned. Then we go to redemption, which is the largest part of the biblical story, And there's lots of subdivisions we'll talk about there. And then fourth, we have new creation. And so we can visualize these things on a timeline, right? We can see the beginning as creation, going to the fall, into redemption, and then new creation going on into the future. So we're going to break these these four things down here. The first is is this idea of creation, Genesis chapter 1 through 2. The Bible doesn't start with Genesis 3. The Bible doesn't start with the fall, and it doesn't end with Revelation chapter 20 for judgment. The Bible is not just about the solution to our own sin problem. Many of us have been presented with the story of Scripture that says, Scripture is the solution to my sin problem, but it starts in chapter 1 with creation, All philosophies and and religions try to answer two questions, where am I and who am I? Where am I and who am I? And Genesis chapter 1 and 2 answers those two questions of where we are in the created world of God and who are we? We are made in the image of God. We are image bearers of God, and so Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the creation, gives us our sense of identity, a sense of who we are, a sense of where we belong, and what our relationship with God should look like, but it doesn't take long to get past Genesis chapter 2 and get into Genesis chapter 3, which gives us, gets us to the fall. Human disobedience, rebellion against God brought disastrous results. And we see this breaking down. We see evil and sin entering into every aspect of God's creation and every dimension of human life, not just for our own sinfulness, but in every dimension of life, physically, we're subject to decay and death. We're, we're living in a physical environment that is under the curse of God. It's affected the physical dimension. It affects intellectually who we are. Intellectually, we use our, our power of, of rationalization to explain and excuse and, and normalize our evil and the evil that's around us. Socially, human relationships are, are broken they're fractured, they're disrupted in every dimension of our relationships. Spiritually, we're alienated from God, rejecting His goodness and His authority. And so this presents a pretty grim picture for us, right? That it's not just about, I've sinned, I need to be reconciled with God. It is, it is physically and intellectually and socially and spiritually, every dimension is broken, and disrupted because of evil and sin. And so the problem is much bigger than just my personal sin problem. But thankfully the Bible gives us a gospel that addresses every dimension of the problem that sin has created. And so God's mission that we see through the story of God is the final destruction of all that is evil from the whole of creation. And then that gets us into the story of redemption. The narrative of the Bible, the story, shows us that God chose not to abandon or destroy His creation but to redeem it. And He chose to do this through people and through events that run from the call of Abraham all the way to the return of Christ. And so we have to see this whole section as, as a unit, the this, this single great saving act of God. We don't separate it into just Old Testament that failed and New Testament that was plan B. It is all part of God's plan and all part of God's story. There is a unity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Revelation shows us the, the redeemed humanity in the new creation, and they are singing the song of Moses, and the Song of the Lamb. That there is a unity between Old Testament and New Testament. God is working through the entire story for redemption. In the Old Testament, God calls Abraham to form a nation that would be a blessing to the world. Dealing with both individuals and nations coming together under his rule, under his blessing. Genesis chapter 12 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all people on earth will be a blessing through you. And then we see in the Exodus... The story of Moses being sent to Egypt to bring freedom, to rescue the people of God. At Sinai, God enters into a covenant relationship with Israel and he calls them to be his representatives and to be distinctive, to be set apart. And Israel couldn't and would not live by this But regardless, the prophets come in and point forward to a day when God would fulfill His promise to bring blessing to the nations and salvation to the world. And then moving into the New Testament, the answer the prophets have pointed to comes, Jesus, their Messiah, God with us, God present Galatians chapter 4, but when that set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption and sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you. You also an heir. And so the coming of Jesus inaugurated the presence of the kingdom of God, the reign of God. In in Jesus, God's reign entered into the story like never before. God had been there, God had been working, but now God comes to be with us through the incarnation of Jesus. And through the ministry of Jesus, We see changed lives and changed values and and changed priorities in what it means to be a part of the kingdom. There's this, this radical challenge to the existing structures, a radical challenge to the existing hierarchy and to the existing structures of power, that followers of Jesus live in a different kingdom, in a different way of being the followers of Jesus proclaim that message of the kingdom of God. In Acts 28, Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And then the cross and resurrection bring us to the very center of the whole story, here is God's answer to destruction to the destruction of sin and evil. The cross and the resurrection reverse the effects of the fall. And the cross is central to our mission and central to God's mission. After his resurrection, Jesus calls together his followers, calls together his disciples, and calls them to carry on the mission of God. And Jesus leads to the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the birth of the church. And the church is the fulfillment of the hope of Israel, expanding to include the Gentiles. And so we see this overarching story leading to where we're at today as a part of the church, the fulfillment of the promises given to Abraham. And so the church is a community of those who have responded to, who have entered into the kingdom of God, that's who we are as a gathered people. We're the ones who have responded to God. And now we seek to live out transformed lives, to, to, to live as a transforming community of reconciliation and blessing to the world. We're carrying out those promises with a hope for a future. Because the story does not end there. It leads us to the fourth phase of this story, and that's new creation, that we have something to look forward to. God is at work in bringing about his reign and his kingdom here and now, but it's not fully yet realized. And so the return of Christ will bring this grand finale to the story a grand finale to the story of redemption, and it will inaugurate the fulfillment of this whole new story. Judgment will be made on all evil that will be destroyed, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so we have a future hope in new creation. Future hope that all will be made new. And that promise gives us value, it gives us worth for all that we do now, that we're a part of this. We're a part of moving toward God's making all things new. And so how we respond at the present, how we respond now is shaped by what we believe about the future. Our motivation is not in a a command in a great commission. Well, yes, we are obedient to Jesus' commands, but our motivation lies in knowing what is around the corner, knowing the future, knowing what comes next. Revelation 21 gives us this picture, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We hold on to this hope for a better future. We're still living in this world that is broken, that still has evil within it. Power struggles between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, but we hold for this greater future, and that's what drives us and motivates us to be a part of what God is doing to make all things new. Now, this certainly is a brief overview of the entire Bible, right? Right? So much more to dig into and, and pieces of the story that, that, that create even, even more depth to our understanding of who God is and what God is up to and what we, are, what we are doing as a part of that. But we have to know what place we have in the story. We have to see what God is doing and what God has been doing not just in the last few years or the last few decades, but from the very beginning of time at creation. We're a part of that story. We're a part of sharing that story with others. It's a story that began long before we were born, long before this church was started. It's a story of God's desire to form a community that would bless the world. And he's always sought out people to be a part of that mission. And so will we rise up to that call to be a part of what God is doing to make all things new? This is our story. We are bearers of that story. And it's a story that gives us hope for the future. It's a story that gives us a mission for the present. gives us motivation and drives us and empowers us to be ambassadors for Christ who were sent into the world for God's purposes.